Kia ora. Welcome to Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. I'm Andrew Dixon. It's good to have you here. Hello. Welcome to our first full episode of Down to Earth Conversations. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, thanks so much for listening in. Now I'm really excited to get this podcast up and running and get these conversations out there. I've been having a great time chatting with people, uh, being encouraged, being inspired and being challenged about finding a bit of heaven in everyday life. I'm based in Ōtautahi, that's Christchurch, and As I launched this podcast, yesterday as a nation, we remembered the 51 who died in the mosque shootings of a year ago here in Christchurch. Those events represent the extreme end of what happens when we fear those who are different than us, when we exclude people or marginalise them. So I wanted the first conversation of this podcast to be with someone who's stepping into a space to engage with people not like himself. Not excluding or marginalising them because of difference, but valuing the humanity of those who are often treated as less than human. So this episode I have the privilege of talking to Kira Ewing from Pathway Trust. Pathway is an awesome organisation who get alongside people and help them get a fresh start in life. In particular, uh, Kerry heads up a prisoner reintegration programme, helping guys in prison to prepare themselves for life on the outside. Uh, Kerry and the team help them form new strategies that will give them a better chance of making healthy choices when they're released, therefore helping them to build a new life. And then they have support workers who get alongside them and continue to journey with them once they are released. As part of that, Pathway help with employment, uh, something that, as you can imagine, is quite hard for someone who's just come out of prison to find. And they offer affordable accommodation, which... Uh, just takes away one more barrier of being able to sustain this new life direction. The research shows that those who work with Pathway are 43% less likely to be back in prison after a year than those who don't. So this is an organisation making a huge difference. So it was a fascinating chat with Kerry, um, exploring how he got into this work, why he does it. Uh, We talk about what he sees as the key issues with the New Zealand justice system and how he manages to work within what is essentially a broken system. And throughout the conversation, Kerry offers some pretty big challenges about widely held assumptions, about general societal ignorance, and about the way that society deals with those that we deem are a problem. This is episode one of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Kerry Ewing. The moment you place 60 men that have similar challenges, backgrounds, antisocial behaviours, poor experiences of family, high abuse rates, low education rates, low employment, low health outcomes, um, and you confine them together uh, for significant amounts of time and then have an expectation that they will leave that environment better. The basic logical premise of that defeats me.
So, yeah, it'd be cool just to hear a little bit of your story. and How I came into this role. And yeah, well, first of all, why don't you start by telling us what is your role? Mm-hmm. What do you actually do? And, yeah. and then, like, how did you get into that? Yep. Okay, so I'm the Pathway Reintegration Manager. Yeah. Um, I oversee a team that's involved in supporting uh, men and women now uh, who are making the reintegration journey, the transitional journey from prison back into the community. Um, and we, I've been here working at Pathway developing that program for the last 16 and a half years now. Um, and yeah, now oversee and manage and develop that. And how big is that team now? Uh, so we have, uh, oh, it's a good question. Have a volunteer support person, uh, part-time team manager, two full-time uh, community support workers around the community. Um, hopefully uh, a second coming soon, uh, or, or two workers working within the prison in our pre-release preparation unit and space. Cool. As well, and then we have uh, a full-time support worker in collaboration with Odyssey, uh, working with women uh, through right. a drug and alcohol residential program. Uh, again, focused around an alternative to prison or transitioning women from prison to the community. Cool. And how did you get into it? How what, did I get into what it? What made you want to? Uh, it's a good question. I don't know if I ever wanted to, or target. Certainly didn't target doing prison reintegration work. Um, I originally studied uh, at Lincoln University doing a commerce degree majoring in horticultural management. Right, so nothing related. No, uh, no, 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 nothing connected whatsoever. (laughs) Um, The key thing I learnt through achieving that degree was that I hated it and I hated accounting and uh, I I, I was not of accounting stock. Um, So... That's probably as good a thing to learn as anything. Uh, it took three years to learn that, but uh, once learnt, not forgotten. Um, I then went overseas, went travelling, as, as as you do, uh, and I spent five years uh, in and out of New Zealand and travelling and to a lot of different places. Um, and the consistent thing that I learnt, or the place that I consistently started spending time was uh, at a summer camp in America, and uh, through that, I met some good friends. So I, I, I spent five summers there in the end. Um, and through that, I met a very good friend who he and his friends were involved in poverty issues right. um, and social uh, injustice uh, in America. Uh, they were based out of Philadelphia. Uh, they became The Simple Way, which is... Shane Claiborne has yep. come out of that and grown to quite significant prominence. Yep. So uh, in my five summers at the camp, uh, when I first arrived, they were still at university. Uh, by my second summer, they'd left university and set up the simple way. Third summer, I ended up going on a number of protest marches and other yep. things, predominantly because I didn't have anything better to do with my time. Yep. Um, and each... Each year after the camp, I'd go hang out with them. I'd spend time just around, observing, being a part of what they were doing. Um, and through that, uh, I met a social worker. I'd never met a social worker before. I'd never heard of them, really. Right. Uh, there's not a lot of social workers in rural North Otago. Um, and that's home, is it? 
At that time, the, yeah. yep, that's where, that's where I came from. Um, and I guess through that experience, I continued to relate it to home, to New Zealand. Yeah. And I became increasingly aware that the same uh, social injustice, poverty issues mm. that were endemic around Philadelphia, third richest city in America with one of the largest homeless populations. Um, how do these two things relate sure. to each other? Um, and how should we respond to that? And that's what uh, my friends at Simple Way were grappling with, uh, both by being simply good neighbours to people. They brought a house in the poorest area of Philly and just moved in and started being good neighbours, um, but also seeking to highlight that at a national level and to protest and to do a range of things to, to bring that um, issue. So uh, after five years of travelling, I finally came home and I enrolled to do a social work degree. Uh, again, mainly to keep myself in the country for longer than three months. Um, so your mid-twenties by this stage? No, I was into my thirties then, I think, or close to it, or late twenties or somewhere. Yeah. I'd, 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 it all starts bleeding into one. <laughs> um, Andy. And um, uh, so, yeah, instead of doing a social work degree, I concentrated heavily upon poverty issues, the effects of poverty, uh, how that um, impedes people's progress, how it creates an unlevel playing field, how it, uh, it, it it's all persuasive across. Um, these were not things I grew up with. These were not experiences I saw, again, growing up in rural North Otago. Um, and so that was a real enlightenment to me. Um, while I was studying, I spent a lot of time hanging out with the glue sniffers around the streets. Um, actually spent some time living with them, which was an interesting life experience for a single man. Um, and then um, living on the streets? Uh, no, living in a in a in a very dirty, grungy, beat up little flat um, with a big heavy lock on my bedroom door. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, as a wee social experiment in some ways, and I was single and had opportunity, so attempted to do it while I was at university. Um, yeah, uh, I learned as much from that experience and hanging out with the glue sniffers and those that were, as, as I ever did from sitting in the classroom. Um, and then, it, uh, as I completed that, uh, I became aware of pathway. Uh, they'd grown out of the church, Rickman Community Church that I was attending at the time. They'd been operating for four or five years at that stage. Um, they were struggling to create a vehicle in which people that had significant barriers to employment could gain employment to better their lives, to have a pathway out. Um, that got my attention. So I, I, as I was studying, I followed some of their development progress. Um, and then, I don't know, I think within a year of graduating, I'd started volunteering there, uh, 
providing some social work support. They were engineers and businessmen and so forth. They had, didn't have any social work or training or any development and so forth. They were simply trying to respond to the needs they saw. Um, and so when I turned up, they said, we've got all these people and they've got all these issues, go social work them, go fix them or sort that out. Um, and so I started yeah, volunteering at Pathway and then that developed into a part-time role um, and took over my life. Um, and I've been there ever since. So that was, yeah, 16, 17 years ago now. Um, and so initially not not specifically prisoner-focused, but just barrier-to-employment-focused? or and, Yeah. And that obviously has massive overlap. What was the transition there? What was the transition there? Yeah, uh, one of the trustees, uh, founding trustees of, of, of Pathway, Mike Goatley, he... Uh, his own life journey had taken him perilously close to going to prison and he had many friends that had gone to prison and he'd seen firsthand the challenges for them making the transition from that life into a good life, into a community life um, successfully. And so he always had in his heart uh, to uh, ensure that people coming from prison were able to benefit from what they were trying to create within within Pathway. Um, and uh, Pathway was established to work with those on the margins mm. of our community. Um, and, and, and if that's your goal, then prison's a fantastic environment uh, because so many of the people on the margins of our community are rounded up and contained there. Not all, but many. Um, and so uh, over the, those, those years here, yeah, I... Uh, uh, picked up the mantle of trying to, de to develop a meaningful, effective reintegration program um, uh, in that aspect of Pathway. Um, it's by no means the only thing that Pathway does. Pathway mm -hmm. provides a range of different um, vehicles for supporting people across the community. Um, but the, the prison reintegration area became uh, my mandate to develop mm -hmm. and build and and, and drive from there. With your experience of uh, working with these guys coming out of the prison system, and and then obviously working with the prison system, where do you see that there are, or do you see flaws in the way that we do justice? <laughs> um, and and what mm. what hope do you see mm. for these guys? Um, yes, there are significant, in my opinion, significant mm. flaws in our justice system and the way we seek to try to change uh, behaviours that need to change. Uh, we're the second highest imprisoned Western nation in the world. We're a heavily imprisoned country per population, somewhere in the order of twice the rate of Australia, for example. Um, uh, and and uh, we're aware of that accelerating prison population. Um, uh, prison essentially is, in, in my view, an expensive way of turning bad people worse um, in, in its current state. Um, there are many good people working within our prisons. There are many good people seeking to create change, to create... Uh, 
but the structural challenges are significant. The moment you place 60 men that have similar challenges, backgrounds, antisocial behaviours, uh, poor experiences of family, high abuse rates, low education rates, low employment, low health outcomes, um, and you confine them together uh, for significant amounts of time and then have an expectation that they will leave that environment better, more adept to being reflective, to making better decisions, mm -hmm. to being able to coexist in our community and society. The basic logical premise of that defeats me. Mm. So there's some big structural challenges when trying to create meaningful change when you start in that place. Um, I, th I think from, from my experience of looking at it, what's always astounded me is that in theory we're sending them to prison to rehabilitate and then they're getting out and we're assuming they haven't. That, that there's an assumption that yes. these guys haven't rehabilitated. Uh, but, well, but, but in, in theory, that's what we're sending them to do. Yes, I think there's an assumption that we've given them every opportunity and they should have. And if they haven't, well, it's their own darn fault mm. and we should put them back there for longer and for more. W what we do know, uh, one of the key reasons that I know prison in its current format doesn't work is that the longer you spend there, the more likely you'll return. If prison worked, that should be the other way around. Mm. The secondary factor that tells me we've got a significant problem with our manner of uh, imprisonment and justice is that gang leaders currently are encouraged to send prospective members to prison. Well, uh, It hardens, it destroys empathy, it isolates from any other positive social connection, family, whanau, employment, education. Uh, puts you in an environment where for a lot of young men you are sink or swim and they will reach out to those that have strength for support protection. Now we've taken an avenue in New Zealand of believing that uh, it's not working so therefore we should do it more and longer and that'll fix it uh, and most criminologists will tell you that's exactly the wrong thing. Um, the experience of jurisdictions that have been brave enough to reduce prison sentences have found that the effects on the reoffending rates uh, have, have not... So Norway, so, uh, Finland, some years ago, cut their prison population in half. Right. Their uh, offending rates stayed the same. We're throwing money away for no purpose. Prisons are horrendously expensive things to run and to maintain, and they create more need for prisons. So not good taxpayer investment. Uh, Bill English made that point some years ago from a national point in his very famously requoted quote that our prisons are both a moral and fiscal failure. Mm. So you guys then get involved in this the system that obviously you can't change the system. No. You, you can do some advocating here and there, but but you're primarily working with the guys who are within the system. Yes. So what is that? 
that work actually look like? What, yep. what journey do you do with these guys? Yeah, so it looks like a couple of things. First of all, it looks like that we recognise uh, up front that we work with a population group that have very low personal resources, social, financial, uh, family uh, connections and so forth. Uh, we are limited in what resources we can bring to supplement that. Um, and we work with them in a context of a community that largely does not care, that sees their situation as being solely of their own choosing and responsibility. And fundamentally, they've made their own choices. But the context in which people grow up, the context in which they live, the context in which of the community that they exist and interact with does have significant impact upon the likelihood that someone will make antisocial choices or not. And that is also a very real fact. So we work with a people group that have very low resource. Without having significant resource we can replace it with in a context of an environment that largely doesn't care and is often hostile towards that client group. That means we accept that success is now uh, the exception rather than the inevitable result. Um, we have sought to work with the system to create where we can, in a small pocket, in a corner, some structural change. And we will seek to, in the years to come, to hold that up as an example of what can be done. Um, what we have been able to do through building those relationships and connections, working with those in corrections who have recognised that things do need to change um, and would be good to make change. Um, and there are many good correctional staff I, I, we, we work with. But we've been able to establish uh, a unit that we call the Navigate Initiative. It's a pre-release preparation unit. It's inside the Christchurch Men's Prison in the wire. Uh, it is uh, designed for picking up men after they've completed their therapeutic programs and bringing them into an environment that will now concentrate on preparing for release. We run it quite differently to a lot of the rest of the prison. The men within that unit cook their own meals, they can do their own shopping. Um, we create opportunities to make choice. We create a raft of workshop opportunities built around life skills, building relationships, uh, giving opportunity to try to develop a sense of who do you want to be. Um, and then we uh, build into that reintegrative plans um, and ongoing support post-release so that it becomes, as best we can, a seamless operation that goes through the prison wire into the community. Wherever possible, we bring the community in and wherever possible, we get our men out into the community. And Pathways role in there, um, a, a lot of it has been just coordinating those opportunities uh, and getting the community in um, to a relationship. So uh, that's been operating one year now. Um, we will be, by the end of year two, in over three, four, five, we'll continue to seek to do follow-up research and we, we're seeking to demonstrate that this does have an impact upon um, uh, enabling people to make positive change in their own lives 
for themselves, for their families, for the community as a whole. Um, and to try to demonstrate that this is a, uh, this can work. Um, it's a fundamentally it's a partnership between the community and corrections, um, and, and we 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 push heavily whenever we have an opportunity. The, the, the point that everybody in our prison came from our communities. Uh, they're, they're, they're not ours to deny. They're our brothers, our sisters, our uncles, our aunties, our children, our neighbours, our knees. They're, they're, they're from they're our community. We like as a country to put them in prison and then to deny the person. Um, or to reject the person, when what we certainly should be doing is rejecting the behaviour. Right. But we have no right to reject the person. They're ours. Um, we need to make space for them to return, um, because that's where they come from. Um, and so uh, the community needs to kick up the bum to be reminded of that fact that everyone in prison belongs to the community. And likewise, corrections also needs um, uh, some good encouragement and good pushing to allow the community to take that role, to sit in that space, to come inside the wire, to be a part of that process, because we, we they need each other to be successful in this. And, and that's part of what you're doing, is helping that conversation, helping that practicality of actually getting those connections made. Yes, we spent years talking with corrections and creating this opportunity, um, and we're really excited that we've got it. Because um, I know you, you, most of what you used to do used to be catching these guys once they were released. That's right. And supporting them there. Yes. And this is getting in ahead of that. Yes, we're, we're pushing deeper in, um, and we're trying to recognise that there's some significant structural headwinds that we were walking into. Um, can we create a better, healthier space inside that wire to prepare for that release step and journey? Um, and ultimately, the big dream, the big aspiration in this some years is use that to demonstrate what is possible. Mm. And so you're still doing post-release support Yes, well. absolutely. So, so that's, that's, that that remains a key part of that that process. Um, we we we've it's essentially yeah that's half of what we do. So we, we have the internal and then we have the external support, um, and we and we try and uh, knit that together. And what does that bit look best, like? Best we can. Uh, well, with the Navigate initiative, it gives us some unique opportunities that my uh, community support team um, now have opportunity to come in and participate in those workshops to build those relationships, connections, to uh, connect in with uh, the, the individuals, means family and whanau or other connections and support. So we get a longer run up, we can, we can invest more um, and we can also look to try and develop some of those, uh, whether they're practical or life skills or, or, or whatever they are, engagement and, and build up other uh, relationship um, connections and even just self-esteem and belief and possibility um, uh, we have a, you know we, we have a, a, 
uh, an eye surgeon who does free eye tests, we have a hearing person who does free hearing tests, there's all these things. But look, the men go out to those things and, and, and it's great, they can get their eyes checked, their hearing checked, they can check on these things. And, and But one of the key things they come back and say is, uh, I went into that place and the receptionist treated me as I was normal. Right. They just accepted me. Which isn't their normal experience. Which is not their normal experience. Even prior to going to prison, they wouldn't generally go into those environments or spaces that you and I would take largely for granted. Um, accessing basic primary medical care and support and health, uh, that's not been, not all, but largely the experience growing up. Uh, that when you're unwell, you went to a doctor. When you're unwell, you're just unwell. Sure. <laughs> Until you were well again. Um, so just having those normalised experiences, having those interactions, seeing people treat you uh, in that manner gives you a degree of self-esteem and respect and, and acknowledgement and, 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 and helps to feel that little fire, maybe I can do this, maybe this is possible. So, uh, you said before that um, success is the exception rather than the rule. But have there been successes that have been the thing? Like, or is that what keeps you going? Is that there are some successes, or would you keep mm. doing this even if there mm. wasn't? That's a very good question, because uh, yeah, when, when you, you need a very good why uh, to step into these spaces. Um, we talk a lot about here, and we try to not to fall into the trap of being driven by uh, achievement or. or claiming someone else's success. Um, so I talk with my team a lot about creating possibilities, not giving promises. So our job is each day to turn up and to engage with someone, to share with them, to uh, meet with them uh, as best we can and seek to create new possibilities for the way they resolve situations or make decisions or deal with conflict or follow through on their life hopes and aspirations. We never make a promise that this person will make it, that this person will be the next Dr. Paul Wood or whatever else. Um, and if they are and go on and do very well in life, that's not ours, that's them. But on the other side of that coin, if they come out and they don't do well, that's their failure, not mine. And we are very tempted as we go through uh, that to, uh, is right, to to claim someone's success or apparent success as our own because it brings us meaning and it gives us a sense of achievement and outcome um, and, and value. Um, and yeah, but that's, that's a dangerous place to be, I believe, as a social worker because if you claim their success, you must own their failures and there's going to be more of those than there is successes. So is there people that succeed? Yes, there is. There are people that succeed every day. Does that mean that they will not fail tomorrow? No, it doesn't. Does that mean today is wasted? No, it's not. We, we, I hold on to that verse, give a glass of water in my name. Well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, but nowhere does it say um, stop. Um, but sometimes those smallest interactions that we don't know where they'll go to. So, uh, the, yes, so it, it's fraught and it's challenging and it's difficult because yeah. uh, when you're doing something that's difficult and hard, you want meaning, you want 
outcome, you want progress, you want achievement, you want your funders all want those things, your support base all want to believe those things. Um, we would go to you and say, "Is it? will it happen? We don't know. Is it more likely if we turn up? Yes, it is. Can I promise that? No, I can't. It's not mine to promise. Mm. So we try and sit somewhere in that space. <laughs> yeah, and, and being able to celebrate with people, but not not take that on board yes. as your own thing. Yes. Uh, I think there's a verse somewhere around it says, cry with people when they're crying, laugh with people when they're laughing. So a lot of our work, we journey alongside. Um, we challenge people. We push them to be the very best they can be, even when they're at their worst. Um, we'll never stop doing that. But it's ultimately their journey, not mine. Mm. How has been being involved in all of this over the last 16 or so years, um, and I guess the, the experience overseas as well, how has that changed how you see what it means to have faith in Jesus? Oh, it's quite literally uh, driven me to my knees and pushed me back down there every time I try to get back up. Um, yeah, there have been many days I've driven home and thought uh, picking apples, which is what I did when I was studying at university, looks really good right now. Just go pick apples and be done. Um, so uh, yeah it remains uh, a challenge it remains a challenge because of the circumstances we said before we work with a people group that are inherently openly flawed with very little resource with not a lot of resource to bring in an environment that is often hostile to us and to them so to maintain that over a period of time for me um, has required both a lot of questioning of my faith at times uh, and ultimately falling back onto um, and as I say it has literally pushed me to my knees and held me there Awesome, well we're coming to the end of our time um, but before we finish do you want to just talk a little bit about if people are listening to this and thinking, I'd really love to either get involved or support or do something, mm -hmm. what are the ways that people can engage with what you guys are doing? Yeah, I guess the easiest way would be to direct people to our website, uh, pathway.org.nz. Um, uh, it, it just be careful, there is a Pathways Trust out there. They're a mental health provider who are across the country, a big international firm. Uh, that's not us. Uh, we're far uh, smaller and regional and don't have the yes, just pathway. So there's, any, there's only one pathway? Not, there's, not well, uh, the, the, there's, there's a Bible school somewhere called the yeah. pathway. There's a whole raft of other ones. Yes, we get a lot of their mail and they get a lot of our phone calls. Um, so pathway.org.nz. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's probably the best route. Uh, people can then make contact directly with us or with me or whatever else. Um, we... Uh, always on the outlook for uh, whether they are broken bikes that we get repaired that provide a transport option for our men 
uh, mentors that pick up and take an interest, volunteer mentors, and one of the men we're working with. Uh, we have a writer's group now, uh, both inside the wire and a community group that's running. We have a range of workshops where people express interest in whether it's around relationships, parenting, health and safety, driving a car, whatever that is. If there are people that wish to come and offer a skill or an experience, and we're always interested uh, in that. Uh, financial support, uh, we've funded the Navigate through a crowdsourcing social investment type model, um, uh, breaking that down into $1,000 lots, $20 a week, and people can own a part of uh, that, that program and initiative and funding support always remains problematic as any charitable group uh, I will tell you um, I don't know we have volunteers that support our drug and alcohol support group by picking people like guys up and dropping them off again at the end of the night we have other volunteers that run bikes right we there's a raft of different a whole things heap of ways there's a whole heap of ways um, and uh, when the time is right and someone's ready and that connects to them, then that's when we love to hear from them and have a yarn, have a coffee, have a chat, and explore from there. Awesome. Oh, well, thanks heaps for your time. And um, yeah, be blessed. Oh, so good. So good. I love that Kerry and the team are getting alongside these guys and treating them like people. Now, these are guys who many of us wouldn't give a second thought to. Uh, people who have the system stacked against them. And yet rather than continuing to marginalise them, Kerry and the team are loving these guys. Uh, they're returning their dignity to them. They're returning their humanity to them. And they're giving these guys a foothold to make it possible for them to make their change. So thanks so much to Kerry and to Pathway uh, for giving your time, not only to record this episode, uh, but to so many who just need someone to stand by them as they make these changes. You're definitely helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. Thanks also to podcast sponsors Ignition Networks, creators and integrators of deployable communication solutions. Uh, these guys have helped me get set up to be able to do this at a far better quality than it would have otherwise been, so uh, thanks heaps to you guys. Join me next time where we hear from Ben Scott from Benny's Barbershop here in Christchurch. It's a great conversation looking at Ben's journey of making his barbershop about far more than cutting hair and trimming beards, a space where people feel safe and feel valued. So thanks for listening in to this episode of Down to Earth Conversations. Until next time, me'inoi tātou. E tō Kia tapu tō ingoa, kia tau mai tō rangatiratanga, kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua, kia rite anō ki tō te rangi. Humai kia mātou ai nei, he taroma mātou mō tēnei rā, mūro mātou hara. Me mātou hoki e muru nei i o te hunga e harana kia mātou. Aua hoki mātou e kawea kia whakawaia. 
Engari whakorang i a mātou i te kino Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us today our daily bread Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Amen.